0: Hi there, and welcome to Gleneagles Baptist Church's Podcast Network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. How's everyone doing? How good was that team? Wonderful! So good! So good! So good! I'm sure you'll be a little bit surprised to know that that during my childhood I was bullied a little bit. Uh, it was a little bit of laughter. Some people weren't surprised at all. Some people weren't surprised. I, um, when I was six, uh, my family moved from Manurewa up to the Hauraki Coast, um, and and when I was uh, yes six and they started school at seven um, up there, I think I. I went into this class, and there was a, a, a young boy in that class um, whose name, for the purposes of the sermon, uh, was called Jason. And he was dating, as, as best you can when you're six or seven years old, uh, this girl called Shannon. And it certainly did him no favors uh, to be in a classroom with a guy called Shannon, uh, in, in case people mistook uh, me for her. Um, so he went out of his way, him, him and his friends went out of uh, their way to make my life awful. And, and, and from the ripe old age of seven, I had a sworn enemy and, 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 and his gang. And so each, each time there was an opportunity to, to bully me or to uh, fight me, uh, they did. And often they won, um, or I got very good at hiding um, but most of the times I was just getting a hiding. Um, and we, we played league at school. League was the, the sport of choice um, at lunchtime, at interval, at PE, and even inter school sports seemed to be league focused. And I would play and I would get destroyed. Um, but not just like getting legally tackled, but like I'd also get the bonus knee in the back, the extra face wash, you know, the, the smearing on, into the mud. Um, if, if I happen to run at the wrong place. And these guys, these guys were like the best league players that we had. So they knew what they were doing. And, and they, knew, um, they knew how to tackle and they knew how to make it hurt. And so this was my life. Because I, I could choose to play league and engage with the guys around me and get absolutely beaten. Um, or I could hang out on my own. And that was life for me at primary school. It was loneliness or just Pain. <laughs> And, and, and so Jason and, and his, his crew, he's actually, like, when I moved up to the coast all the way to when I finished college uh, at the end of 18, we we're in the same class. And I was like, wonderful, wonderful. Um, but when I moved to college, um, no one really knew who I was. No one knew my story. But league still seemed to be this, this game of choice. And, and I remember being on the field one day early in year nine. And the ball gets passed to me. And time stopped. Time didn't actually stop, but it certainly felt like it did. And, and standing right in front of me was Jason's right-hand man, his enforcer, his... Oh, did anyone watch League in, the, like, the late 80s and early 90s? Michael Hancock? Brisbane Bronco, he was a centre for the Broncos. He was just this animal of a man who, who had so much energy, and he was always running around the field. And, and, man, when he hit you, when he hit them, they stayed hit. And this Neil. He was like Michael Hancock, he was just a brute. And and he stood in front of me, I caught the ball, and he was right in front of me, and and time stopped. Because I had this this moment where I could continue to live as I had lived, as, as, as primary school had been, or I could change the future a little bit. Because here's Neil, that everyone knows, is this tough as nails league player, and here's Shannon, who nobody knows. And I was just like, there's this chance where I can change the future. This life-defining moment, life-changing moment where I could, I could run at him. I'm a little bit bigger. And this all happened in, in way less than like 0.25 of a second, right? Because league, you don't get timeouts and, and that in league. And the ball gets passed to me. Time stops. And then time starts again. And I take this moment... To change the future? Do I pass it off or do I run straight at my enemies? As we've been exploring Joshua together over these last few weeks, we've seen many times where Joshua and where God's people are at a crossroads, where their chances to, were to move forward in God's plan or to move forward in their own plan. And in fact, it's not just Joshua's story. It's reading all of Scripture up until now. This is the story of humanity. Lifetime after lifetime of these life-defining moments, these moments where they could choose to continue in their ways of what they knew, of what was safe, or the ways that would bring life and freedom and a better way of humanity when they follow God's way. These moments have punctuated the story of God's people especially of the time of them coming out of Egypt. We can read in Exodus, we think of the moment where they've left Egypt. Moses has finally convinced Pharaoh, or God's finally convinced Pharaoh, to let his people go. And they're wandering in the desert, not sure where they're going, but Moses is leading them. And then they come up to the Red Sea. But Pharaoh's changed his mind, and they're chasing, right? And you can see the the dust clouds of the Pharaoh and his armies chasing these people. And these people, God's people, are terrified. What have you done, Moses? Why have you brought us out of, of relative safety where we had housing and food and our livestock could be fed just so we can get slaughtered on the edge of the Red Sea? And so Moses has this moment. Does he, does he go and send a peace settlement to the Pharaoh and go, hey, we got it wrong. Bring us back. We'll build your pyramids. Or does he listen to God? And in that moment, Moses chooses God, and God says, lift up your staff, and God parts the sea. And the people move through it. And then on the other side of the desert, once God's dealt with the Pharaoh and all of his crew, God's people are having a moan. They're complaining again. Back in Egypt, we had food and water, and our livestock could eat, but but here we have nothing. Can't we go back? And Moses seeks God. And God tells Moses to strike the rock and the water will flow. And Moses has this opportunity to listen to something from God that seems a little bit ridiculous. Or to listen to the people and turn back. And he listens to God and he strikes the rock and the water flows and the people are nourished. And then when Moses sends his spies into the promised land, they come back and, and they say, there's giants and fortresses, and they're so strong, there's no way we can claim this land that God's promised them. But, but there were two of them, Joshua and Caleb, who, instead of listening to the ten, they have this life-defining moment where they say, if God has given us this land, surely we go and take it. Surely we go and take it. And Moses has the opportunity to listen to the ten spies or to listen to the two spies, and they go into the land, and they start to take it, but they didn't always get it right, did they? Humanity hasn't always got it right, and, and sometimes they listen to their own way of doing things, even after all of this, as Gary mentioned at the Battle of AI, they, they did things in their own strength, in their own decision-making, and they lost, Because there was this life-altering moment where they chose not God. And after their defeat, they realized and they turned back to Him. They remembered to follow His voice. Then they conquer Ai and conquer some more places. And this is where we're up to. Joshua 11. They want to move forward in God's plan. There's still places to conquer. There's still land to, to get. What do they do? What are they going to do? What happens in this life-defining moment? We read uh, in Joshua eleven. Adonizedek, possibly Joshua ten. Sorry, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities, and larger than Ai. And the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonized of Jerusalem sent messages to several other kings Hoham of Hebron, Puram of Jamuth, Japhiah of Lashish, and Deber of Eglon. I've got to have a talk to Gary. Like, Why do I get all the hard pronounced words, Gary? <laughs> Like, you've got to pronounce Joshua and AI. We're planning next year's sermon themes on Thursday. So on Thursday, please be praying uh, for Gary and I as we look at next year and pray that I might, like, give him some hard passes. Anyway, come and help me destroy Gibeon, the king urges, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon the men of Gibeon quickly sent messages to Joshua at his camp of Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come save us, come at once, help us, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Remember when Gary spoke two weeks ago that the Gibeonites are, have tricked Israel into signing a treaty with them, uh, meaning that the Gibeonites became their servants. And, and because they're servants, they receive the same protection that Israel uh, gets themselves. And so these five kings, essentially, they're attacking Israel. They're attacking God's people. And I'm sure that this is one of those moments, right? One of these life-defining moments where a decision needs to be made. How do we move forward? How do we move forward with God? These people, the Gibeonites, have a treaty with us. And they're under attack. And every moment we wait is a moment lost, is a life lost, is a life changed. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. So Joshua and, and his crew have left Gilgal to go to the battle. There's a little bit of conjecture about how long this journey is. Um, measurement problems, right? Like, some suggest it's about 32 kilometers. Uh, other commentaries suggest it's about 132 kilometers. So just a small just a small difference, but we know that Joshua needs to take his men through the night. Through the night to travel, to, to move forward in faith, to follow what God has told them to do, to remember what God has said. They know that this treaty has been signed, and that Gibeon and and Israel are now allies. And so they move forward against these kings. And as they're going, as they're walking along, as they are journeying, God, along the way, reminds them, don't be afraid, I have given you victory over them. God isn't promising anything new here, right? God has already told Israel that this is your land, that I will conquer these people, that you will have the land flowing of milk and honey. This, this little, you know, where God steps in isn't new. It isn't a new thing. He's just reminding them. He's reminding them that I am with you, and when you follow in my ways, you have victory through me. They probably remembered their immediate past as well, that they'd lost at AI, that they'd not follow what God said. And so this is a, a little bit of a pep talk, but it's not a new promise, And so when this life-defining moment came for Joshua to lead his men, he remembered God's promise. He knew his voice. He knew he had to walk forward, and God comes in with a confirmation along the way. I wonder how often we actually operate like this, or do we sit and wait for God's reconfirmation? Do we walk a bit of the journey, and then we come against a stumbling block, or we hit a wall We might lose a battle of AI because we drifted off path and started to do things our own way. And because we lose that battle, we stop. And we think, oh, I missed it. I missed God's plan for me. I I don't get to follow through on what he had for me. I don't get to live into that promise that God promised me. I better wait around for the next thing to be revealed. God's next best plan for me. Because I remember my journey like that cost me about $60,000, actually. Um, See, when I finished school, my my dreams of um, going to uh, Unitech and doing a Bachelor of Performance on stage and screen, they were dashed. They were dashed because I was 16 days too young. Why didn't I come out early? Why didn't I get born on the 31st of March? Because then I would have got into the course. And I had this small voice in my head. Go and study at Carrie. One of my friends has started. (laughs) I ain't listening to that voice. There is no way I am going to Bible college because those guys are crazy. Study theology. It's not even theology, it's just Christian theology. (laughs) This is a conversation my dumb self is having with my dumb self. And 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 so there's this voice that's like, go to Kerry. And I ignored it and racked up a wonderful student loan um, by starting. Two different degrees, one diploma, one certificate, and coming out with a low-paying chef job. (laughs) And on my last uh, day of finishing my chef diploma, uh, I break my leg at rugby practice, and I can't walk for three months. So I'm not starting full-time work the next day. (laughs) And uh, ACC on 70% of uh, a part-time wage, not a lot of good. And so I start hanging out with my youth pastor and start investing in the, uh, investing time, because there was no money, investing in the youth community. And I hear this voice again, go to Kerry." And I'm like, God, if this is actually you, you better make it real clear to me, because I've already got a big student loan and, and three more years of study is not going to uh, be promising for that. And then another couple of people speak to me, go to Kira, you should be at Kira, and I'm like, oh man, God, if this is you, actually, you can do the work, because I am not putting effort into this application. It was the the worst application I have ever done. And a week later, hey, welcome to Kira, you're accepted, I'm like, oh. done all the study. And, and then I, I get through a year and, and then they start this youth pastoral leadership diploma. Um, and the small voice comes back, apply. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't want to be a pastor. I'm just here to learn theology, c- Christian theology. No, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be a pastor. What are you doing? And then my youth pastor says, hey, you need to be doing this course. And some other people start saying, you need to do this course. I'm like, God, if this is you, Remember my last application? Even less effort. That's not actually true. See, I was sporting this wonderful coloured mohawk at the time. Wonderful. Um, and I thought, if I probably need to make the smallest effort. And so I shaved it off. Uh, so it's was just a wonderful haircut like this at the time. My mum was thrilled. Um, and I get into the to the uh, to the interview. And one of the interviewers has a wonderful head, hair, full hair of dreadlocks. I'm like, I need to shave it off at all. Anyway, so that's my story. I, I, I get into carry The, the six, message from six years ago where I ignored God's voice, where I heard him clearly and said, no chance. He still had the same for me. Just came with a little bit more cost a little bit more time. See, God's voice was constant. He didn't change who He had for me to be. Just like He hasn't changed where He has for Israel to be, He just allows our choices to slow us down getting there. To learn along the way, yep, and pick up some additional costs and get some more experience with the mistakes that we make. But in all of this time, Israel learned to hear God's voice and continue to walk forward in faith Because if God has said he will give them this land, and if this land wasn't theirs yet, they better keep walking forward until it is their land. Hear his voice. Listen to his voice. Walk in the path that he calls you. And when time gets tough, or you muck up, or you walk away, don't think that God is done with you. Don't think that he still doesn't want you to be the best of humanity. Don't think that you've gone too far away. Because God's plans are God's plans. And God's invitation for you is constant. And His invitation for you is to be the best human you can be. And that includes doing the things that He's prepared long ago for you to do. And there's another thing in this, not in this story, but in the the build-up to the story, which helps build Israel's faith. And we see it all through the times. They set up altars of remembrance and celebrated when God had given them victory. In fact, we see Noah. Everyone remember the story of Noah and the flood, right? Noah and the flood, the waters recede, and, and Noah and his family go forth from the ark. And the first thing they do, they set up an altar and they praise God. In Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abram, I will give your descendants all of this land. And he sets up an altar. And he worships him. He worships God before the promise comes true. Because his people don't have the land yet. And in Joshua, they still don't have the land. But he sets up an altar and he worships because God has spoken. And this is a place of remembrance for Abram and his people and God's people. Exodus 17, the people are complaining again and, and he strikes the rock. He builds the altar where he struck the rock to remember God's provision, and they worship. And when the Israelites crossed into the Jordan River, into the promised land, 12 stones were dropped to celebrate and mark what God had done and what he was going to do. They put signposts in the ground, moments they could look back to, moments where they could remember what God said he was going to do. And symbolize that he is going to follow through on that. These markers, they build faith. And they build hope. They remind the people that God's promise was fulfilled on that day in that place. And if that promise was fulfilled, then why wouldn't the next one be fulfilled? That's what hope is. Hope is living with the knowledge of God, fulfilling the promises of the past so that we can walk forward knowing that He will fulfill the promises that haven't been fulfilled yet. That's hope. And we're called to walk in that hope. And as we walk forward in that hope, believing that He will do what He says that He will do, those steps, that's faith. This is a lifetime practice for us, living in faith and living in hope. And so what markers do we have down here at GEBC? What promises have we been given that we need to hope in and walk faithfully towards? What has happened in the past? We have a wonderful, a wonderful signpost in the ground just next door of God's fulfilling promises of the starting of the trust. But do you think he's done yet? No chance. You're going to hear so much more about that in the next few weeks when Lisa and Gary share. But remember what he's already done. And if he's done it then, and he said he's going to do something else, what's he going to do? Fulfill it, right? Because that's what God does. If he's called you to something, and you walk with God, God will carry you through it. The Māori people have a fakatoki, a, a proverb um, about this. Kia whakatomori te haere whakamua. I walk backwards into the future, my eyes fixed on the past. I still walk into the future, but the things that have happened in my past that point me towards where I'm going, it's a wonderful proverb. It's just like the Israelite people have these, these altars that they can look and go, God did that, God did that, God did that. God will do this one. God will do the next one. Kia whakatumuri te hare fakamoa. I walk backwards into the future with my eyes fixed on the past. That's how we move forward in faith. We know his voice. And if we don't know his voice, we learn to spend time and wait to hear and learn his voice. If he has said something, then he will make it true. And as we walk in it, that's faith. And deciding to walk in it, that's our hope. We have this ultimate hope, right? Because Jesus said he will return. And so we can live this earthly life relying on that promise because we we have confidence that Jesus will return. Yeah? We have confidence that Jesus will return. So, what else matters in how we do? What else matters when the enemy comes against us, when voices come against us and say, you can't do that, you can't move there, you can't take that mountain? Jesus is coming back. What's wrong with trying if God said, take the mountain and take the mountain? In spite of the world situation, the direness, the, the failings of humanity all around us, we can have hope in our future. We can be secure in our experience. We can have hope in Christ and his return and our eternal life in him. So we live with hope. We walk forward in faith. And we listen to his voice and continue to be his people, claiming back ground, claiming back lives, and claiming people away from the enemy and into the whanau of God. Family, the band is going to come up again. And we're going to sing uh, that song together, Do It Again, reminding ourselves that his promises still stand. His faithfulness is still great for us. He hasn't failed us yet. And he certainly doesn't plan on starting. So I encourage you to sing that, a proclamation for yourselves that God will do the promises that he has promised you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for who you are, for what you have done for us, and what you continue to do. Thank you for the the promises that you have fulfilled that we heard in the start of the service And thank you that there are promises that are not yet fulfilled that enable us to grow our faith and grow our hope in you. God, would you keep speaking to us? Would you keep calling us into your future, a future where more people are loved by you, experience your love, and go out and share more of who you are to those who don't know you yet. Amen. Family, let's sing. Let's sing to our God. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gevc.org.nz. hope you have a great day.